it's, it's a huge change in the mindset. From a position of unit land grab, you get into monetization of the usership, right? And this okay. is essentially driven from the changing consumer behavior. People are no longer really interested to own the products. They want to use the product. That's the difference in buying the music versus taking a Spotify subscription. Hi, I'm Lauren Stiving, and welcome to this episode of the Career Success Podcast. Today, we've invited Amit Singhal to discuss with us how he and his team were able to successfully set up a subscription e-commerce business in the U.S., Hills to Home, which is a division of Colgate Palmolive. Amit is a digital commerce leader, experienced in developing and driving revenue opportunities in Fortune 500 consumer goods companies with an expertise in all things digital, e-commerce, direct-to-consumer, B2B, and commercial analytics. Welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Lauren. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited about our conversation today on how to successfully set up e-commerce subscription businesses. Subscription businesses are one of the most sought after business models. Why do you believe that is? It's a great question. First and foremost, the way I see things, uh, subscription has always been there in various forms and fashions. For instance, your decision to rent a place versus buying a house, uh, you are kind of getting into a subscription. Your decision to get into a job versus starting your own business you are into a subscription whereby you're getting paid for the services you're providing to the organization, right? In some form and fashion, it has always existed. What has changed now is primarily subscription was limited to services in the past, but now product companies are getting into subscription. So for instance, like for your cell phone connection, it was always a subscription. You pay on a monthly basis, but whether your decision to buy a cell phone versus getting into a subscription whereby you pay $60 a month and you get the latest iPhone at any given point of time, that is something which has changed. So that way, I would say that a lot is happening and particularly with the CPG companies getting into direct-to-consumer capabilities, et cetera, that's something which has opened the doors for subscription economy, as I call, which is becoming bigger and bigger and being adopted by a lot of organizations. What are three key things that someone should know before starting a subscription business? The way it works is it's, it's a huge change in the mindset. From a position of unit land grab, you get into monetization of the usership, right? And this okay. is essentially driven from the changing consumer behavior. People are no longer really interested to own the products. They want to use the products. That's the difference in buying the music versus taking a Spotify subscription, right? Sure. So, uh, so that's what is changing. And from an organization point of view, it's like instead of selling your products to an endless stream of strangers, you are essentially creating a club whereby sure. you know your people very well. And that's what subscription business is all about, which is data enabled, which tells you to go with a customized offering, what your consumer is looking for. That's something which has kind of changed significantly. And again, from an organization point of view, I would say that uh, people see it as an option to build loyalty. For instance, okay. in the products which are recurring consumed, things like your toothpaste, your fat food. So, so here, instead of looking at transaction every single time, if you can lock in someone into a subscription, thereby that part is automatically happening. And we call what he says, uh, auto ship drives compliance. So every month your product is getting shipped. The consumer has no reason to switch unless until something goes wrong. So it's sure. always a very way or a good way of ensuring loyalty. Lastly, I would say that it's important as a different way of uh, looking at your business financials. 
So for instance, uh, Netflix, which is primarily a subscription-driven company, imagine a conversation on 31st of December 2020 in the leadership team. For them, for 2021, 80% of revenue is already taken care of given the existing subscribers, right? It's not that you sell every month, you sell every quarter likewise. So what they need to think of is, how do I retain my existing subscriber to make sure that my revenue stream is on and how do I get the new subscriber? So it's like the balanced 20% this team is kind of focused on versus a regular conventional business whereby every month, every quarter, you live and die. Sure. (laughs) And I know that you're involved in the Hills to Home project. How did you first get involved in this project? I was with Colgate Global Business based out of New York, and Hill's team was looking at creating a new direct-to-consumer subscription-based business model. So this is something which was kind of first for the organization. They were looking for a person who is not only business-minded, but at the same time tech-savvy as well. I kind of fit the bill because I was responsible for creation of some new digital commerce platforms internally, and that's how... I was offered and which I gladly accepted. And then I moved from New York to Kansas. And uh, of course, what happens next is a different story altogether. (laughs) Was it their first um, subscription business or did they have one previously? So they have acquired businesses with the subscription-based models, uh, but in-house of a subscription-based business, it was the first in the business. So of course, since then, we have got similar models in our other businesses, including our skincare and oral care business. Okay, great. And what were some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome? Oh, challenges. Okay. Uh, Where to start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) challenges, I would say the first and foremost is your value propositions. When we initiated the plan, we thought that this is how the business model should look like. This is how the value proposition should look like. But once we got deep into the insight exercise with the consumers and our customers, we figured out, no, they are looking for something else. So we had to change the plan and uh, we had to repurpose all the resources, planning, etc. The whole idea was about agility and the whole idea was like, how do we create something which resonates with our consumers, give them a reason to not only get into it, but also stick with us. And that's where we landed up in a different business model, a kind of industry first that, of course, opened a host of new challenges in terms of looking for external partnerships, because many of the capabilities we didn't have in-house. Then, of course, a lot of uh, internal communication alignment to the larger team in terms of selling out the vision, calling out what do we need to do, why we are doing this, and getting the stakeholders' uh, engagement in terms of what role you are going to play into it. And I think that was very, very critical. But I'm glad it it had given me a month's learnings. I think it was a very fulfilling experience for me. (laughs) Yeah, and did you launch it as an MVP or how did it go to market initially? We did launch it as an MVP because it was a race against time, as you all can imagine. Uh, Of course, so we thought that we need to have I would call uh, MVP's minimum viable product, but I would call it as a business viable product. So something which is good enough for us to get started, something which has takers, and then build from there in terms of more sophisticated benefits and features. And what was it like to, to launch a kind of startup within a large corporate environment? It was really a lot of fun and a lot of action. So as I was sharing earlier, the first and foremost piece is to call out the vision and establishing what we are trying to accomplish and what is the role of various stakeholders. More importantly, uh, you need to take the leadership posture and come out very confident because there's a lot of ambiguity when you're trying something new. 
right? Yeah. And oftentimes you go one pathway, it doesn't work out, you need to retrace steps back and then go with plan B. So you need to ensure, you need to give the confidence to the team that guys, yeah. we are on, on track. We know what we are doing yeah. right? and, and we will get there. So, <laughs> so that piece is super important. And as the leader of a startup, it's important to get the senior executive trust you need a lot of autonomy. You cannot run yeah. to people for every single decision. You're making decisions on the go. And this will come in only if your leadership has 100% trust in you and your team. So that way, I would say, was very important to get that stakeholders buy-in and support. And another piece is, like, oftentimes, large organizations are more comfortable in a predictable environment, very, very comfortable in a control situation. But here, we were dealing with so many different external people looking at what's best out there and being in a very agile approach of trying out, seeing failure, and then moving on kind of stuff. So here, the team needs to get very comfortable in an environment where you're okay with losing control, right? Sure. And trust the, the experts, right? Of course, different uh, partners bring in different expertise, different skill sets. So you need to see that how do you bring everything together? With one is relationship uh, between us and one partner. One is like how the different partners come together as a team to get you to deliver that user experience, the best-in-class user experience, which you're gunning for, keeping the consumer at the heart of everything you do. I think that's what is the most critical part. And in a large organization where you require a lot of autonomy, but at the same time, high level of dependencies, be sure. legal team, taxation team, marketing team, and likewise, it's an effort, but worth doing it. And how did you design your organization? Because I imagine there weren't so many internal capabilities as you would have for other projects? Yes. a oh, great question again. In a particularly in a subscription-based digital commerce business model. So yeah, there are two parts of the team. One okay. is the business team, which is responsible for customer acquisition and retention, right? So it's a leaky bucket. There is a churn happening all the time and you need to make sure that you retain your subscriber while you're gunning for gaining new. So one side is this whole team, which is targeted as uh, at business uh, delivery, user experience, customer support, and likewise. The other side is the solution architecture or platform enhancement itself, which is highly technical in nature where you rely on IT resources and external partners because things are changing. Whatever Amazon is offering is something which is expected as the bare minimum from the consumer. Sure. So you need to give a similar level of user experience. So it's like uh, running on a treadmill. You have to run fast to even stay at the same place. Mm-hmm. So that way you need to have a separate team, a separate vertical, um, which is once I understand business requirement, but at the same time, they are committed to deliver best-in-class experience. And that's how your org structure evolves. Product okay. team on one side and the business team on the other side. Okay. And any other learnings that you had to take away from the overall experience? I would say that the biggest thing here is, one, you need to be very clear in terms of why you are here, why you're getting into it. It should not be something that everyone is into it, we also need it. It has to play a very important role in your commercial strategy because the way subscription business play out is it drives not only revenue on the business model itself, but it has a huge positive catalytic impact on the overall business as well. If you're giving a great experience, you will get a lot of amplification impact in your overall other channel businesses as well. Your brand presence online improves and everything. So that way, I think this is definitely worth doing 
But again, keep the consumer at the heart of everything you do. That's the mantra. Sure. Well, I mean, thank you so much for joining us. And I think this has been very insightful for our listeners. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Laura. It was a real pleasure talking to you.